What if I told you those scattered Google notes, draft social posts, and notebooks filled with unshared stories could be a fast pass to a more fulfilling life waiting for you, but only if you publish them. Learning to just press publish changed my life for the better as a woman, mom, and writer. Now I wanna create the same transformation for you. I'm your host, Erin Galloway, multi-passionate author and ally for storytellers. I started Habitize Publishing to support storytellers, including kids, CEOs, senior citizens, and now you, to share your voices and spark more joy than you ever thought was possible. I hope after today's episode, you'll publish one piece you've been holding back on and see where the journey takes you. Welcome, friends, back to another episode of the Press Publish podcast. We are going to have a guided interview today. And I say guided because I actually think that this will be sort of a mutual conversation type episode. Um, The person that is with me today, Erin Velke, happens to have the same first name as myself which is partly what drew us together in the very first place. And we have spent our time together over the years building up multiple different ideas, some business ideas, some nonprofit ideas. And through that relationship, um, Aaron has also chosen to get into the self-publishing space. And it just seems that somehow our life continues to intersect over the years. And so I was thrilled to invite Aaron on to one of our episodes to be able to talk with you about his self-publishing journey of his book called Let Her Play. So Aaron, welcome to the podcast today. Good morning. And it is a good morning where you are. It's morning for me, but it's even earlier for you. So thank you. Of course. I'm really excited to be here. I'm I'm grateful to be here, especially on your special day. So happy birthday. Thank you very much for being a part of a special recording blitz that I'm doing this week. Yeah, this will be a a great conversation. And and given our our history, we, we have put on races in the city. We've developed curriculum and content. We just have a lot of history and it is really special that we get to to intersect and that our lives have so much substance to them that they continue to drive towards each other. It's really special. It's true. And I think it's very fitting that of all the days that you were available this week, today was my birthday because I think we've at least spent a minimum of two birthdays together in our time in which we lived in Baltimore at the same time. And neither one of us live in Baltimore anymore. And we have completely different lives. Uh, But it is pretty special that somehow, again, we do somehow, even in completely different places, do very similar things. Um, And so I love that you also self-published and you chose to write on a pretty interesting topic that really helped you stand out in the self-publishing industry. So what was it that you wrote your book about and why did you choose that topic? So Let Her Play is a rendition of all my experiences coaching girls soccer. So I coached club level ball for more than a decade, uh, probably 12, 12 and a half years. And it has 
been a really interesting journey of trying to to communicate with parents through 12 years of coaching kids. The, the most challenging part of the job is parents. There's a there's an old manifesto. I can't remember who wrote it. Another coach who had done it for several decades, and he wrote this manifesto about his journey. And one of the, the earliest statements in the manifesto was, if there was any group of kids that I could coach, it would be orphans. And it was sort of a play on this, this challenge that parents present. And not to say that every parent is challenged. There's a, a degree of responsibility they have. But over about 12 years, what I learned was what the daughters, these girls, what they needed and what they wanted from both their coaches, from their parents, what they wanted from the sport and let her play is years of trial and error, getting those messages correct so that everyone felt like they were getting what they need. And now it stands as a guide for parents, for coaches to help their daughters become not just empowered young women, but confident athletes, confident individuals, so that they can handle a world that is very, very difficult. Now, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to that experience, but I could through their eyes see that there was a lot of duality and ambiguity. And my goal as a coach, as a man, was to to leave the game better than I found it. And that's what Let Her Play attempted to do. And when you were writing the book, um, were there aspects of the message, right? Because your subtitle is The Unfiltered Guide to Empowerment Through Sports. So was there any part of what you were writing that you said, I really want to talk about this, but it maybe doesn't fit within this particular book? Is there anything that you left on the cutting floor that you thought, oh, I really like it, but I'm going to let it go? Possibly. When, when I first started writing, it was not going to be at all what this book was. I was intent on writing a book called Play Like a Girl. And what I was going to do is cover athletes that were facing significant challenges and overcoming them. So there were players that had either significant disorders or diseases. They had physical handicaps that they were overcoming. And, and I wanted to feature them and talk about their mentality. And somewhere along the line, maybe a year and a half or two years into writing, someone published a book called Play Like a Girl. So I was like, okay, I got to go back to the drawing board. There, there was ultimately 90,000 words written. I only published 36,000. So there was a lot left on the table. I think, though, part of that transition from play like a girl to let her play, there was a lot of loss in that. There was also a degree of content that didn't have anything to do with the audience that I was speaking to. So it might have been more about soccer and the, the whole objective of let her play is to be agnostic to the sport, not necessarily soccer specific, though that be my experience. So there was probably 10 or 15,000 words of, of soccer specific content that I ended up leaving out or stories that were about players that I ended up leaving out. So I think naturally as part of that process, you go through a lot of chopping blocks and there's a lot of sewing materials that you leave at the shop, but it, also through the the change of title, it it morphed quite a bit from the original intent. I love that you share that because that can be some really difficult decisions for authors to decide what their initial vision is 
And then how do you branch that out to really serve the reader, right? It's this push and pull of serving myself and meeting my own goal. And then also being able to serve the broader audience that is going to read the book. Um, And I know you've written your book a couple years ago now. So it's been published. It's it's really well received and has great ratings on Amazon. And so after you have published it, what was some of the feedback that you were receiving from the people who read it? Both the people that you knew who read it, because you were really savvy about preview opportunities for some initial feedback. And then those who maybe shared with you that read it that you did not know. And did you get feedback from them as well? The initial feedback was incredibly moving. Like I got letters, I got emails, I got phone calls and texts from from parents, from mothers, from fathers who were were deeply moved by the message and not not knowing what to expect, right? As a as a person who at the time didn't have any kids, at the time like that that period of my life was it was like, I got to take a big leap, but I, I wasn't a parent and I'm not a woman. So I was incredibly terrified. So to get positive feedback early was really significant. Still to this day, I get messages and memos now and again from someone that's picked it up or found it, which is incredibly special. I think overall, the the hardest part about that book in it coming out when it did, it came out uh, February 29th, 2020 which was a terrible time to write about youth sports because everything stopped like 14 days later. (laughs) So there was just an interesting development there, but feedback overall was remarkably positive. The reviews are glowing and most of what the book attempts to do is to build awareness. And that, that takes its own process of, of both, hard facts and hard truth in presenting that and softening it so that someone is not being punched in the nose and is open to receiving what comes after the awareness, which is essentially the the guided part. So I, oops, I am really grateful for all that and still don't fully understand how the entire process unfolded the way it did it. It was just a beautiful, beautiful part of my life and and a really cool story right before the pandemic hit. You know, it's interesting you say that. And my initial reaction, right, is like, oh my gosh, what a what a difficult time. However, what we'll never know is because people did stop and suddenly there was time to read and reflect and people were spending more time at home with their families by, you know, in some ways by force, Yep. you'll never know if perhaps more people had the chance to read it or be engaged in conversation because we did stop, um, which can yeah. be very difficult for authors to buy, buy people's time, right. In order to get their book read. And you sort of had this opportunity where we all, suddenly had lots of time on our hands. Yeah, you know, the the strategy going into it was that I knew I could build channel partners, right? You want to find ways that you can distribute more than one to one to one. So the concept then was, well, I'll go to clubs and I'll go to sports organizations and speak and share and, you know, get copies out. So even though that that didn't happen, 
I still think your point is very valid. There, there, there was opportunity to read. Uh, a parent made a made an interesting comment about my particular subject being that the individual that probably needs it the most wouldn't necessarily pick it up, right? The, the individual parent that probably needs the most personal growth in the way they're leading their daughter may not be the one to actively seek it out. But I think overall, the intent is to find your audience and get really clear on who that is and then speak to them. So you can't try to make everybody happy. But all, all things considered, it was very clear through the the entire journey that if you're going to publish your first book and you're on the, the, the journey to, to do that, you can't be really fixated on all of the outcomes because it will totally ruin the process. So for me, it was, I'm going to publish this. I'm going to write this. I'm going to share this. I'm going to be unfiltered. I'm going to be brave. And then what comes after I hit publish and some of those elements of sharing will, will let ride. And I, I think that takes a pretty strong act of surrender once you get clear on your direction. So sticking with that thought for just a minute, you have talked about how moving the reactions were, right? For you to hear the responses that people had, was there any particular response that you could not have seen coming before you read the book, either from a particular person or a door that got opened for you that wasn't even kind of on your radar screen before you published? Well, I'll give you a full yin-yang experience. I think there were many, many open hearts that reached out and said, you know, I I really have changed my behavior because of this book. The way that I'm showing up at practices at games has changed because I now am, am much more mindful. And I, I've gone through some of the different pages and highlighted stuff and, and pulled out like specific conversations, namely in the car ride home, I've made changes from like aggressively asking questions and, and almost badgering the witness in some ways with my daughter. So that was really positive. I also think that there were relationships that I had that that book almost damaged or severed. And I shared a lot of stories in that book. I never named anybody. I never intended to name anybody. But there were stories in that book that changed me as a coach. There were stories in that book, experiences that shaped the way that I created these, these opinions. And it, it would probably be very easy for someone in the 11, 12 years that I coached to say, well, he wrote about me. And I sort of took all the experiences and, and wrote them together and homogenized those, those things rather than you know laser point on a very particular moment. But it would be very easy to say like, well, Aaron just wrote about me. And I did notice that there was definitely some distance between me and some some old friends and people I'd coached their kids that probably came from the book. So there, there was a lot of heartfelt opening and, and great relationships of people that supported the message. And I, I do think that there were a couple of people that were individually um, maybe insulted by some of the shares. And and I, I do respect that. Like that's why I felt it was so important to to keep it unnamed. But they were also my experience. And it's very easy to filter a lot of that, right? To say like, well, here's why. And my objective was to be as honest and candid as possible. And to your point, at some point you do need to be authentic 
to who you are as a writer. You know, people can pick up on when they've seen somebody write a book that feels very filtered, right? It's almost then the book becomes for nobody because you've tried to make it as open and flexible to everybody. So I respect the fact that at some point you had to say, this is, this is the line or the boundary that I've drawn. And I have to talk about these series of events or feelings or reflections, because if I don't, then why am I writing the book in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are putting out a piece of art in many ways. If, if you're afraid to offend somebody with your art, you shouldn't be writing the art it it has to have its own life and existence and the perspective that people have of it the feelings that they have of it is out of your control i think there's ways to do that in a healthy way right my objective was not to attack or blame or shame anything it was to say here's what happened these are events these are facts and here's what i learned from that and here's a different perspective on what could be done if you're in the same boat and for for the whole writing process, if you go through sharing and sharing and sharing, but you're you're holding back, eventually what you've got is a very amorphous thing. You don't you can't have clarity and consistency in your substance with with this. I'm gonna not offend anybody. It just it doesn't work, and it it waters down all of it. If you can accept really early, this is probably gonna make some people upset, or some people aren't gonna like it. You'll write a much better piece. I do love that you referred to it as art and knowing that you are multi-passionate and art is part of who you are. It doesn't surprise me that you would make that connection, but it is something that I do talk about with clients frequently that if you're not used to putting out art in the more typical ways, right? Other types of art forms and mediums, then this is your first piece of art that you've put out there. And that can be intimidating, but that's where I think self-publishing is a beautiful opportunity for people because it's their first real self-expression from beginning to end to say that I, yes, there's mechanics and there's decisions I have to make, but to put your author bio together, to pick what your cover art's going to be, to choose even how you refer to your own name, right? Do you put an initial in there? Do you not? You know, it's really an opportunity for people to very publicly share a form of art and self-expression and self-publishing gives you a little bit of boundaries and safety net to do that versus handing over your art to a traditional publisher and they like guide you through the process. That's almost more like a paint by number type art. Then right, right. completely looking at a bank blank canvas and you can create it yourself. Super well said. I, I think that the consideration of, of your publishing vehicle is largely about how, how autonomous are you? And if you want to be autonomous and you want to be authentic and you want to do it your way, it's good to get help and good to get some support. But generally speaking with the, the way I see the publishing world now and the, the availability that, of, of tools and resources to get a book published, the more autonomous you can be, the more, more effective you can be. As long as you, you know, you need to have your skill, your proficiency down, you need to be able to communicate really effectively. But if you have that, publish your art, get it out in the world. 
So speaking of, so you put your art out there, right? You walk through the process of how it's received. Um, at what point did you start to say to yourself, could there be other variations of my art that I could put out there? Um, and which different options did you explore from, did you consider even a children's book or other languages or other platforms? What for you did you start to say like, huh, there's another form that I could start sharing the same message with? Well, pretty initially, there was a group of parents that had read Letter Play and suggested I write one for boys. Like that was just such a natural opportunity. So a lot of individuals, parents said, we love a copy of this that focuses more on the boys. So that was a really early adaptation that I had thought about. You know, when when you write something and, and share something and it, it has any kind of landing, people always have ideas that they would like to see. So there were a number of, of different ones, but that was a, a rather sticky one. So early on, and even before I, I published, I recognized that there could be an easy translation into a let him play. So with the timing of all things, right, right in the middle of the pandemic, I set that to the side and I ended up revisiting it about a year ago. And also along those lines came this idea to translate the book into another language. So I've had a really good friend down in Brazil and I've been learning Portuguese for a while. So while I'm thinking of let him play, I also start to explore the idea that I could publish a Portuguese version of the book. Translating to Portuguese when you're not a fluent Portuguese speaker, nor an academic Portuguese speaker was an interesting process. So that whole journey is underway. I will probably have that published in the next several weeks where it will be up and it will be active in Portuguese. So I'm very excited about that. And to get that down to Brazil, which is a very, very awesome football nation, football meaning soccer, and how much the women's side of sports is changing there, I'm very excited for. But it's been an interesting journey to let him play. Let him play started as, well, I'm just going to translate this. I can go through the book and cross out her and write him. Well, you start doing that and you recognize very quickly that it, it doesn't apply. And there's a very different thing in coaching girls versus coaching boys, right? That's, that is a significant difference. So going through the book, there were highlighted segments that I knew that I had to either rewrite or change. The quotes that I used from very successful, very eloquent, very sharp women would have to change. Some of the memos about how emotions are handled and managed would have to change. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I got to write a whole other book. So my son was born July 10th, 2022, about a year ago. And I had this movement in my mind that I would dedicate, let him play to him. So I kind of reactivate the project, maybe September last year. And what I recognized was that what I wanted to do instead of writing that I had years and years of experience coaching boys, I wanted to write it from a lens of, can I make a statement about who I want to become as a dad and let him play sort of took on this aspirational and conversational mix between what I know from coaching kids and what I aspire to be when it comes to leading him. But 
it quickly became like a full rewrite. It, it wasn't just a translation. It was a, it was a whole second book. And I had to make some tough decisions about what's my current business. What's the current growth plan for that business. And does this align? And after months and months of, of doing work on it, moving it forward, getting a team supported around it, creating the cover art, like, like all of it, I had to table it and I had to let it go for, for focus on what does align with my current trajectory and direction with business. But it, it was quite a journey. And I, I think it's easy to just say like, I'm going to build the next one and it's going to be a piece of cake. And if you're going to publish art, it, in my opinion, should be the best art you can publish. It should not be half-assed. It should be really well done. And, and I didn't feel like I could give it the attention or love it deserved, nor did I feel like the undertaking of that book would yield the kind of love and attention that I wanted in that subject. It just was not a subject I'm as passionate about compared to what I'm doing in business now. What I heard through part of that story that I have talked with other people about as well is that it is in our nature. It's in our culture to always be talking about what's next, right? You did one thing. Okay. What's next? What's the variation of it? What's the, what's the play on it? Right. And what I heard you say that I wish the publishing world talked more about is to actually keep building on the first thing that you did, which was variations of let her play, right? Now you're talking about if you just continued down your journey of that book exclusively, right? You're now looking at it in different languages, which opens up that same book to a whole different audience of people versus right. our usual expectation, which is to move to the next project. Yeah, Yes. Um, and so you being able to sort of take this time again to go back to the original and say, okay, I'm learning in this one language. Maybe this same book translated in the first one is going to open your mind to maybe just one other language, but it's still about the first book with the same yep. message um, instead of, again, creating sort of arms and legs that go in different directions. And so maybe there'll be something that will allow you again to stick with the first. There's so much wisdom in that. The, the tendency, so my business now is all around coaching entrepreneurs and watching them grow and change and evolve. One of the lessons that I've learned both through me and through them is to go deeper, not wider, right? Let him play was adding width. It was taking me from the thing that I was really good at and the thing that I was great at. And instead, it put me into an area and terrain that I wasn't. I didn't have the, the expertise. I didn't have the experience to do that. And what I got good at with the girls and the program that I ran was building confidence, creating a mindset, building habits, all these patterns. And naturally, there was a soccer element to that, but really building strong athletes. And as soon as I got to this idea of let him play, it was it was simply outside of my comfort zone not just in writing, but in, in sharing real legitimate stories that I could wield in the expression of the book. So I think that's a problem for a lot of individuals, right? We get wider, not deeper. And rather than, it, it's like the sequel problem in movies, right? Everything is a sequel, a sequel, a sequel, a sequel, a sequel. 
And there's very few original ideas because of that. So uh, it's something that happens in all of entrepreneurship, in every business that I've I've been involved in. The, the challenge is always stay deep rather than go wide. Yeah. And there's so much to come from this original book that you've done. Um, and I'm sure that if you gave yourself sort of that headspace to, to do what you've now done, which is right, like I'm going to put the variations that are different topics aside, I'm going to continue to just focus on this one book in different ways in which it's communicated and then allow that to be the lane that you stay in, mm-hmm. right? It will be interesting to see that if even just a second edition of this same book were to come out, right? Like yep. if your mental space was, I'm just staying in this lane, but maybe there's a new forward or a new, you know, back matter, new communication guide that came with the same book, suddenly yep. it could evolve and have more life, but you wouldn't have to relearn or redo or recreate, which was the path that you had made sense of previously. Yeah. And and if, if you're listening and you're, you're on your journey to publishing, whether it's first time or multiple times, you know, every, the intent is to publish the best thing you possibly can. And when I, when I pick up a copy of that, or I share one and I flip through it, the version of me today would write something very different. So it's, it's very easy to think, about change or edits or or new variations when you've grown, right? The the objective would be publish the best thing you can and you can always go back. It's incredibly easy now to make some of those changes and update versions and and do all that. But I also think that as an artist and and as a writer, what what you've got to recognize is that a year from today, whatever you're writing should be obsolete, should be different in your mind. That's a, the representation of growth. So there's, there's no way that you're going to publish a book that sits for the rest of time as the best thing you've ever written. The goal would be to keep going forward and, and keep changing and evolving and, and writing and, and producing. So it, it's, it's quite a journey, right? And I think, I think everyone should write a book. It is a tremendous door opener. And it's a really, really cool statement of who you are that is in written format, which is a, a brave amount of acceptance of yourself to do that and whatever your lane is whatever your medium of expression is i think it's a beautiful beautiful share into a world of people that are often afraid to share i'm not sure that there's a better note to end on my friend (laughs) i think that that is incredibly valuable advice to those who have not published yet Right. As I refer to as the unpublished author that has something, some art form or some writing or some illustrations sitting on a computer or sitting on their phone and hasn't figured out how to publish yet. I think what you said is incredibly helpful to those to them, as well as those who maybe have published their first book and are unsure where to take their next steps. So I thank you for offering that to our listeners today. And if they were to find you, so Let Her Play is available on Amazon, but if they were to find you either on social media or on the web, where could they find you and how could they connect with you? Best place to look is probably Facebook or Instagram. 
you can just use my name, Aaron Velke, uh, V is in victory, E-L-K-Y. If you want to check out what I'm up to now, you can go to getoutofyourownway.coach. That's our, our new website. You can check out all the things that I'm, I'm up to from the lens of coaching and helping entrepreneurs grow and scale. Let Her Play, like you mentioned, is on Amazon. And I'm very, very supportive of other artists taking this on. So if, if you're listening and you want to chat, I'm happy to help you along your journey. Just reach out. I'm a text, a DM or a, a message away from all of you. And I can definitely speak to that. Aaron is up early in the morning and goes <laughs> to bed as late as he possibly can and is a fast returner, replier, whatever the correct word is, to messages, especially when it fuels the natural coach within. So any form of coaching for you always is part of where I see you light up the most. And so I know anyone that will contact you, you will not let sit in your inbox or your DM box for very long. This is true. I think it's important <laughs> to support. Thank you very much for your time today. I greatly appreciate all that you shared. And I hope that people will not just go ahead and buy your book, um, but that they will also follow you and share all the other lovely life advice and coaching advice that you offer people just on a daily basis on all your social platforms. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Okay, friend, are you ready to share one piece of content you've been holding back on? Trust your instincts and press publish. If this episode sparked curiosity in your publishing journey, head over to thehabitizedlife.com for more resources. Or check out the after show with our guests on Instagram at habitizedlife. All the links mentioned today are in our show notes. And hey, I'm off to reheat my cup of coffee for the second time today, but I'll meet you back here next week with a fresh cup and a new episode.